on this episode of PL and PJ's Gunners Gunning for First. And a wild, wild weekend. Welcome back to the Premier League podcast with the coziest dress code. That dress code is pajamas, and we're here with your full 90. Match week three kicked off in London where Tottenham were able to muzzle their K9 counterparts to grab a 1-0 victory over Wolves. Moving on to Selhurst Park, where the enigmatic Eagles edged out Villa for a 3-1 victory behind a Zaha brace that might have Gerrard's job in jeopardy. Meanwhile, at Goodison, the Toffees hosted Nottingham Forest for the first time since 1999. And as all good hosts do, they treated their visitors to a point 1-1. Offsides, flags flew high over Ivan Tony's head at Craven Cottage, where Mitrovic flew high enough to head home a 90th-minute winner over the Bees. And King Power Stadium was lit up by a Madison free kick special before a brace by substitute Che Adams dimmed the mood for Leicester. 2-1 Saints. Remember when I said Southampton would be relegated? No. Cool, because moving on to Premier League leaders Arsenal, where Arteta had his gunners open fire on the Bournemouth net for a convincing 3-0 victory. An energized lead side was electric at Elland Road on Sunday, as American Aronson scored one of three goals that combined with a Koulibaly Red helped the Whites beat the Blues for the first time in 20 years. Hey, wait a minute. I get it. Red, white, and blue just like the flag Tyler Adams paraded post-game. Right you are, Brent. A bustling Brighton welded the irons into submission, hammering the Hammers 2-0 at the London Stadium and continuing their unbeaten record against West Ham in the Premier League. And the Toon Army celebrated a point against Man City as the Magpies masterfully contained the citizens for a whole 60 minutes before being reminded that money can't buy you happiness or points. Well, unless you're Man City. Right, I guess then you get both. And finally, on Monday, Manchester United orchestrated a defensive masterclass at Old Trafford as the Red Devils beat their bitter foes of Liverpool for the first time since 2018, leaving Klopp no other excuse than, quote, the clock ran out. Isn't that how most sports work? Apparently not in Germany, Jake. <laughs> well, Brent, it was an eventful weekend for sure, as the title suggests. It was it, a one would say wild, wild, yeah. wild weekend. Have to you know duplicate that wild. Well, I mean, we're we're just emphasizing how wild it was, and it truly was. But that's our second topic, Jake. Our first topic concerns a very specific side who you have a disdain for who lots of Americans and football fans around the world have a disdain for, it's Arsenal, the Gooners. Yeah, um, I feel like, what, 10 years ago, that was completely different. Um, a lot of Americans were supporting Arsenal. Um, I mean, there weren't the Manchester United. Right. But uh, it had a pretty big support group out in the States. But now, yeah, they've kind of become... The butt of some jokes, but not now, Brent. They have won their first three games. The only team to have won their opening three games. And, Jake, not only that, they are 9-2 to two on aggregate over those three matches. Nine goals, four, two against. And they beat Crystal Palace, a decent side. Leicester, who, granted, is a little shaky, but still. And newly promoted 
There you Bournemouth. Go. Yeah, I combined promoted <laughs> and Bournemouth at the start there. But have you been surprised by their start at all? Um, yes and no. Um, I thought the changes they made in the offseason were going to you know, bolster their team in a way that they were going to not lose the games that they really should win. And we saw that in the first three games. They should win all three of those matches, in, in my opinion. Um, so it's nothing terribly surprising in that fashion. But, you know, after they started with three losses last season, it's a huge kind of momentum builder. And although not crazy good teams, I think they played Palace at a good time before they kind of got their flow going. Um, but, yeah, um, you can't discredit the start. Yeah, and I would say one of the main concerns with Arsenal is as they've been so young recently, you know, just over the recent season, their team has been very youthful, that the inconsistency of youth players was showing. It's just what happens when you field young players in general. They're not always going to be performing sure. at an 8 to 10 out of week, you know, of their ability. And as those players have now had time to develop have had time to stick with Arteta's system. I think not sacking him at the start of the last season has paid off as the players have really settled in. They've bought players that fit the system. Gabriel Jesus has been a revelation for them up front. Two goals and three assists in his first three matches. Zinchenko, who would have thought it's like Arteta learned from Pep Guardiola or something, playing as an inverted fullback as a central (laughs) midfielder. Um, it's just all seeming to work out for them. It just makes me question is because they are still young and finding themselves and really lacking that key leader in midfield, in my opinion, how long will the run last and can they keep it up? Brent, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, Xhaka and Partey in midfield, I feel like that can't last for too long. I think they're going to, you know, the flaws are there. I mean, they're not the greatest midfield pairing in the Premier League right Certainly now. Not. So uh, their success is coming elsewhere. I mean, that's not fair. Xhaka has had a great start to the season. I'm going to give him that. I don't think he keeps it up. Well, um, a red card will derail him at some point. Absolutely. Sure. Um, probably not in their next five fixtures, as we're going to preview. But I think at some point, when they actually get tested, I think they'll have a spell of some bad performances, kind of drop back down to fourth spot and I think that's kind of where they end up as we predicted um, at the beginning of the season but Brent let's look ahead at those next five games well it is quite the light fixture list you could say where they play Fulham at home they play Villa at home then they go to Old Trafford to play United then they play Everton at home and then go to Brentford and play the Bees away which is a big reverse fixture for them after losing there on the opening day last season, which was electric for Bees fans. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, granted, after those five we were talking about, they have City, Chelsea, Tottenham, all pretty close together after that. So, really, I say, with the form Villa's been in, with the form Everton's in, Brentford, you know, are still a newly, relatively promoted side. I think Arsenal should be looking to take at least 13 points from this set list. Yeah, um, I don't disagree. Fulham at home, that's three points. Villa at home, that's three points. Manchester United, maybe a draw. Is I'm assuming that's where That's you, where I was thinking, yep. yeah. And then Everton at home, I think that's three points. Different story if you're playing at Goodison. But then Brentford away, 
they could falter there as well. I would say 13 would be a really good um, outcome, but I, I wouldn't be surprised um, if it was math in my head, math in my head. Uh, I'm thinking like 10, 10 probably. Yeah. Three wins, that Fulham, Villa, Everton, and then a couple draws. So 11. Yes. Okay, I think, Sorry, I think yeah. 11 would be, um, I wouldn't be terribly surprised. They'd be disappointed with 11. I think 13 pretty, pretty much is the standard right now for this next five. Um, but yeah, as we just went through, I, it's fairly easy. First eight games to open up the season, which, I mean, you can say, well, everyone plays everyone twice, so it doesn't really matter. But it's about momentum. It's about getting kind of the confidence going. Right. Especially with the World Cup, you know, right in the middle of things. If you have that, um, you know, you have a big lead going into that break and you can come out the other side when you, you know, the momentum's not there anymore, but you have enough points in between you and the teams below you where it's you, can, you can afford to maybe slack off a slight bit. Yeah, for sure. And I will say, I think a season like this with the World Cup in between benefits a team like Arsenal who are so young, who yeah. should be able to maintain their fitness levels and keep going. Um, those aging squads, I'm thinking like Liverpool, despite Salah not going, you know, Liverpool's an older squad. Man City are an older squad, all things considered. Those teams will have a harder time, I think, adjusting with the World Cup in between. Uh, I think Arsenal will benefit from that wild schedule. Yeah, definitely. Um, the youth will be on their side for this time. Uh, I think last year it was not on their side, but it's a, it's a new season, and it's apparently a new Arsenal. I'm not excited about it as a Tottenham fan, uh, but Brent, there are some other very exciting fixtures that occurred this weekend, and we're going to get right into it. Oh yeah, I said wild in that last little statement to give myself a segue into this segment where I can say it was a wild weekend. I didn't mean to hijack that from you. I'm sorry. It's okay. You No, you didn't know. We didn't rehearse this before. That's only for the full 90. You wouldn't know it based on the stutters that we have had in the last, but we'll get better at it. Just like some of the teams <laughs> who played this weekend will hope to better their results in the reverse fixtures because, Jake, there were seven matches that we pulled out this weekend. We couldn't highlight just one or two that really had surprising results. Yeah, Brent, and it kind of gets crazier as, as we go through them. We have Southampton that beat Leicester 2-1, Fulham over Brentford 3-2, Palace over Villa 3-1, Brighton over West Ham 2-0, Le Leeds over Chelsea 3-0, Newcastle Man City 3-3, and United over Liverpool 2 one. Let's start at the top there. Southampton 2-1 over Leicester. This one was a surprise to me in the sense that, look, I, I did pick Southampton to be relegated. Um, I was astounded at the impact that a substitution of Shea Adams made. I thought Leicester had more quality to be able to hold on to at least a draw, but yeah. it was what it was. And that can move us on to, Jake, your take on Fulham. 3-2 over Brentford. Yeah. Um, if you don't include offsides, Ivan Tony had a hat trick. He sure did. Um, some great finishes, which it was sad because, you know, two of them were offsides. One of them, very marginal. Yeah. Some Bees fans were pissed because of Marcus Rashford being allowed onside against Liverpool with yep. the, like, little lenient rules that they do now. Yeah. I thought they were going to be even more lenient this time around. And I, when I first saw uh, the Tony 
replay. I was like, oh, that's going to stand. And then sure enough, it did not. <laughs> um, and so his one goal that stood was not enough. Um, as we mentioned, Mitrovic had a towering header, a very good header, as they all are. Um, to Supplied s- by Mbwemo, who you oh. called out. Or I'm sorry, not Mbwemo, Mbabu, <laughs> who you called out. It was yeah. over Mbwemo. It was assisted by Mbabu. But you yeah. called out Mbabu was a good signing. I did. Uh, the Swiss international. Yeah. And, you know, he's snatched all three points for Fulham. And, you know, it's great seeing a newly promoted team, uh, as uh, Brentford once were, do well. But Brent, moving on to Crystal Palace beating Villa. And we shouted out in our full 90 that Steven Gerrard is on the hot seat. I really thought that he would do better with Villa when he took over the team than they've done, especially at the start of this season. He has to be on the watch for one of the first managers out the door because 3-1 versus Crystal Palace, on top of just their poor start in general, the team doesn't look good. His changes aren't working. His system isn't really translating over. I don't know. It's hard to see them bounce back from this. Um, This is a convincing victory for a team like Crystal Palace who Mm -hmm. are looking to build momentum. I think it's a huge result for them, but the spotlight is on Villa and Gerrard. Yeah, and I, I think that start or that change starts at the back because they've had some good signings and their forwards are, you know, I mean, pretty quality. Sure. Um, but I think rotating Mings, Kanza, and Courtney House, I just don't think it's enough in the back there. Didn't they bring in uh, Diego? Ooh, Carlos? Diego yes. Carlos. Sorry, I couldn't think of his last name either. Yeah, there, I was I really there. blanking. And. I don't know. I, I thought that was a great signing. Yeah. I thought that's exactly what they needed. But it just has not been enough, and they can't get that ball you know, from the back through their decent midfield. Mo Camaro was a great signing for them. Yeah. He's been fine. It's just... On paper, Brent, this team should be it's doing good, well. It's good, yeah. Which you know, leads us back to the Gerard on the hot seats. But Brent. you said leads. You said it leads us back. <laughs> the next match that we're going to talk about is Leeds. Back <laughs> to a 3-0 victory Leeds had over Chelsea, Brent. I think it was a more convincing performance for Leeds than it was a disappointment for Chelsea. Tuchel came out after the match and said that Leeds' style of play had no influence on the result. Jesse Marsh came back and said he can think what he wants, but the reality is that you know their style of play dictated the match. I agree with Jesse Marsh. I thought it was exciting. I thought that they made Chelsea very uncomfortable. I think Chelsea looked like they were really lacking some midfielders. But it was fun. Brent, are there any two worse managers to listen to after a loss than Tuchel and Jurgen Klopp? No, but we'll get to Klopp. (laughs) He's coming. I I just wanted to put it out there. It's so frustrating. All the excuses they have. Yeah, they've got a lot. No, we were the better team. It's like, well, you just lost or drew or whatever it was. You didn't win. So you can say whatever you want, but uh, the stats are what they are. The points go to where the results lie. Brent, Brighton beat West Ham at West Ham Stadium in London. Not a great start for the Hammers. I think they've gone under the radar, and like you said before the pod, uh, to me, if there weren't so many crazy results, we would be focusing on West Ham. I think, honestly, Jake, I'm, I'm not expecting a lot from them. I think they'll be a topic next week for us. Um, I, they're playing Villa away in their next match. We, as a you know, quick shout out, do I think we talked about them in our bets, um, and we'll get to that. But 
you know, there's just not a lot of positives coming from the Hammers camp. Yeah, uh, the battle of the bad coming up. Um, both teams struggling to find form at the beginning of the season. I, uh, I don't know, I haven't seen really either, or I guess any of West Ham's opening three matches. So I couldn't really tell you where the struggles are coming from. I know that they had some bad luck with some good saves and the crossbar in their second match. They also, yeah, they haven't scored. They haven't scored. This season. But I'm not sure about the other two. I guess they played City game one. We're going to give them that. So I'm not sure um, where their weaknesses were in the Brighton fixture. But Brent, moving right along to the most, I guess, watchable game um, this past weekend. Newcastle 3, Manchester City 3. In a game where you thought, at least I thought, that Newcastle were going to snatch all three points. I, I think what it comes down to, Newcastle have a team, they have a belief, they have a manager who has provided a spark. They're not quite ready to really challenge for those European places, I think is what we saw okay. this weekend. In that, the ability to see out a match that you're in control of, and granted, it's Man City. It's not like they're playing Southampton and you no. can see a few <clears throat> Leicester, but... Um, <laughs> I, I think a better team is more equipped to hold out the result. I just don't think Newcastle are there, but I think you see the potential of the side if they can get things together in the middle of the season. Yeah, I, uh, I took a look at the team, sh- team sheet uh, before the match, and I told our friend Steven, and then I texted you, I said, I think Newcastle could get a result today because I saw uh, Jolinton... Uh, Bruno Gimmerich and Joe Willock in that midfield, and I thought that's a that's a very good midfield for where Newcastle were a year and a half ago. So I I had a good outlook for Newcastle on the day. Turns out I was pretty much right that they, they did get a point against uh, the title holders. Um, I agree with you. Don't think that they have it the substance there and kind of the. Uh, the ability to hold on to matches, as you mentioned, to challenge for a European spot. But give it a year, two years, I think they might be p- playing Champions League football. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe they could use a player like Pulisic. <laughs> exactly. Get, really get him out of there. The, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Jake, the last match of the weekend, Manchester United beating Liverpool 2-1 in a match that Ten Hag had to win that included some big decisions on his end to drop Captain Harry Maguire, to drop Ronaldo, to start Alanga to start McTominay, it was a surprising result. And more than anything, I think we highlighted last week, so maybe it's not worth going into. Liverpool just look off it. Lousy, as we put Lousy. it. Lousy. Yeah, um, and that continues. Two points through three uh, matches to start the year. That's not ideal, Brent. Um, but, you know, you mentioned it last week. You pointed out that if Manchester United won this game, that they were going to go ahead of Liverpool, which is hilarious. And I was like, well, they're not going to do that, but that would be hilarious. And I was wrong. Lo and behold. They, they sure did go out. And, oh, can you imagine just, I mean, being there as a former Manchester United fan? Because <laughs> yeah. the atmosphere looked amazing at Old Trafford, and we have not seen that in quite some time. It was the best that I've seen it watching a match since probably 2012. Yeah. Genuinely. I mean... I know the atmosphere was electric when Robin Van Persie thundered home a volley against sure. Aston Villa to win the league, but that's probably the, the best atmosphere I've seen since 
Um, I think from Manchester United's perspective, they'll be up and down all season. They're still figuring out their team, apparently still making signings. They're still a mess at the end of the day. Um, this is just, I think, more of a blip, a good result against a weak Liverpool side. And, okay. and I mean, truthfully, they didn't have a lot of their players. Their midfield was poor. Van Dijk is off it. Robertson is off it. Again, we talked about these things last week. Um, I think the reverse fixture will be very different. Okay. I was expecting a little more optimism from you, but I think you actually are right. I think it might be a blip. Yeah. We might see United regress to their original form to start this year and uh, maybe not pick up too many points in the fixtures to come. But Brent, out of all these ones we just covered, can you single one out that surprised you the most? I, I will say the one that surprised me the most, and this is controversial, I'd say is Fulham beating Brentford 3-2. Um, not so much that it's a surprise that Fulham beat Brentford. I realize it's a rivalry. 3-2 is a great sure. score. It's more yeah. that Fulham scored three goals. I think is a surprise. I realize that Leeds beating Chelsea is crazy um, and that Brighton beating West Ham is a big headline. United beat Liverpool. But given the circumstances around each match, for me it's Fulham scoring three against Brentford, who are a pretty solid defensive team. And pulling out a 90th minute winner against Brentford, I, I just think the surprise is not that they won or got a, a point sure. or more out of it. The surprise is the fashion in which they did it. The resiliency to pull out a 90th minute winner is something that I think will benefit them if they can maintain that kind of belief throughout the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, that was shocking for sure. I'm going to point out or highlight rather that leads uh, victory that you mentioned. I think just the mat, the manner in which they won, obviously the first goal a mistake by Mendy, who's been so steadfast for Chelsea um, through the two years he's been there. But uh, I don't know. I think we saw a lot of flaws in Chelsea. They really showed up for the game against Spurs last weekend, and it really looked like that that team was going to push for a, a top-four finish. But it's hard to say that after that result against Leeds. Obviously, I don't like uh, Thomas Tuchel kind of saying or discrediting Leeds and their work ethic. I think it was absolutely the press that led to two, if not all, of their goals. And love seeing an American on the score sheet. Obviously, the stat was thrown around everywhere. That is the first American to score under an American manager in the Premier League. So that's fun. But yeah, I think shocking how bad Chelsea looked. Not a great outlook. They need Fofana, is what I'm going to say. Yeah, especially headed into this next weekend where Koulibaly's also banned. Uh, they're, they're certainly short on center backs. But, Jake, with that out of the way, I think we can move on to our weekly bets. Absolutely, Brent. And as always, we start off with our surprise odds. We picked out Tottenham versus Nottingham Forest over two and a half goals at minus 134. Yeah, Jake, it is a surprise to see I mean I don't even think Forrest have to score in this match for them to for, I could see Tottenham just getting three on their own in this fixture so to have it almost even odds I would say is <laughs> surprising yeah I think after a kind of frustrating 1-0 victory over Wolves where they had a terrible first half and kind of came to life in the second and looked like they could have scored a lot more than one I think that the floodgates open up against Forrest, who just 
even with all 16 other signings, don't think their defense is good enough to hold uh, Harry Kane, uh, Dejan Kulisevsky, and probably, in my opinion, Richarlison gets the nod over Son. Really? After a poor three games from the South Korean. All right. Um, just to give him a little rest, uh, Richarlison has come in uh, previous two matches, been a real spark, and I think he deserves to get at least one start, and then you throw Son back in there the next game, regardless of the outcome. Controversial for a lot of fantasy owners. Absolutely. And controversial for every single Spurs podcast I listened to this week. <laughs> uh, but Brent, moving on to our game pick. We have... An anytime score, not scorer, anytime score between West Ham and Villa, 1-1 at plus 125 odds, Jake. It seems like both teams will concede in this match, even though West Ham haven't scored yet. This is the kind of match with both teams in disarray you could see goals happening. Yeah, I guess uh, this is the pick that we decided on rather than a both teams to score, one for the better odds. And two, because it feels like one of those ones where it's just going to be back and forth. So we think after one team scores, the other will also score, leading to that 1-1 scoreline at plus 125. Brent, this was almost surprising odds for us. Rodrigo to score at plus 400. Yeah, I pointed this out to you. I felt very passionate about it. Um, Rodrigo, currently the top goal scorer in the Premier League, going to Brighton. I think that it is a match in which... Bamford will find it hard to get his spot back in this team. Uh, He was kept out with a minor injury. He should be back for this match. But the way that the front four of Leeds in the last match with Daniel James pressed, controlled, I think it could be hard for Bamford to get back into the team and lead the line. I like Rodrigo up front. I like his threat from set pieces. And I think a goal from him makes sense. Yeah, um... I think Leeds are obviously in great form, um, scoring a lot. They concede, you know, almost every game, except against Chelsea. Of course. <laughs> uh, but I think that this game probably sees a lot of goals, and one of them is going to come from Rodrigo, who's in great form as well. You'd hope so, Jake, but that gets us to our Pirates Code Parlay of the Week, where you... I'm going to go in reverse order of what we have written down to okay. keep on the theme of Leeds versus Brighton, both teams to score. As I just mentioned, we think that's a pretty open-ended game, end-to-end, um, end, and we see goals from both teams. I agree, Jake, but I also think Brentford going to score first versus Everton in their match. I think that is a lock. I think Everton, especially if Gordon goes to Chelsea for 60 mil plus, which seems way too high for the 21-year-old, but I digress. I think that is, at the Brentford Community Stadium, a lock for Brentford to score the first goal. So when you parlay those two together, plus 187. Yeah, you always back the home team. So uh, I'm good with that one. I think these are fairly good locks, if you will. Uh, Plus 187. We love the odds. We love the picks. We love you, listener. Oh, we also love our farms. We love our farms. That we're I gonna really eat. need some back. <laughs> Brent's been on a steady decline. Yeah, my farm is not doing well, yeah. as it were. Um, but hey, you know what? When you get into the line of work of agriculture, of farming, <laughs> it is always known that your farm may reduce in size from time to time. Drought may happen. But if you do... 
enough work and okay. you put in the hours Let's hear it. Yeah. and the research grit and the development the grit the grind determination sometimes rain will fall from the heavens sometimes it does and you're rewarded <laughs> and it's gonna happen this time for me the heavens are gonna pour down with some cash in the form of farms yes cash farms and we'll be back next week to talk about all those farms that we're going to add from the Premier League podcast with the coziest dress code. That dress code is, as always, pajamas or, if you're me, wearing our throwback shirts that we haven't worn for a long time. But they are still pajamas. Looks great on you, Brent. We should get some overalls as we are farmers. But oh. like silk so they're like pajamas comfortable exactly. not leather <laughs> not leather um glad we have the giggles in there yeah no i mean we have to it's on the outline better late than never the last thing on the outline jake is the outro which means we'll see you next time